0: Welcome to episode 6 of Emotipod Arts and Emotions, series 2, Creative Blocks. We're going to look at mediocrity, being less than or even far from brilliant in art and creativity. Interestingly, not many of my friends went for this when picking topics to talk about from my series list, so I'm afraid there'll be a bit more of me chuntering on. It can be a painful subject to talk about. After all, who dreams of being mediocre? But maybe it's not all bad. Perhaps, as in all things, it can be coloured by your point of view, context, the environment you're in, all sorts of factors. We're going to look into all of this. I'm your host, Francis Butt, and I'm going to start this mediocre exploration with a big overarching question what is art for? Is it only to put the most brilliant, perfect, exquisite expressions out into the world for the benefit of all mankind? Is it only valid when it's at its absolute best? And who gets to say what absolute best is, by the way? Can it just be enjoyed as a basic health practice of self-expression, emotional processing, and pure joy and fun? Not every drawing, poem, play or novel has been or will be first class. Not everyone can or will create at genius level. Even geniuses don't start out at genius level. They take a long time and a huge amount of work to get there. And even then they don't always achieve the pinnacle of excellence every time. And of course, most of us mortals can still enjoy an OK movie, an airport novel as they call them, a fairly reasonable painting, a hardly highbrow but good fun musical, which is why the box office counts for at least as much as the critical acclaim. In Peter Schaffer's play Amadeus, the court composer Antonio Salieri calls himself the champion and patron saint of all mediocrities in the world. The play is rough on Salieri, using him and Mozart to explore the gap between competency and genius, and of the bittersweet ability to appreciate genius when you don't have it yourself. Schaffer even rubs salt into Salieri's wounds by making the genius Mozart's character gratingly silly and brash. But the real Salieri was in fact a great and prolific composer of his time, and he taught Beethoven, Schubert, Liszt, and Mozart's son. So he can't have been that mediocre, but he's become synonymous with the label. The words mediocre and mediocrity can strike terror at the heart of any artist, and they've been an internal scourge of mine for many years. Shaffer's play didn't help, and I've been haunted by that Salieri speech. So if this episode sounds as though I'm indulging in a sort of personal therapeutic process, well, you couldn't be more... right. I hope you'll forgive that, and I hope you'll hear something of value for you too. Let's see what a few of my friends come up with. I got the ball rolling in a conversation about mediocrity with our resident emotipod psychotherapist, who's also a performer, Lisa Jones. When I thought about this series, Mm. uh, and I thought of all the different things you could look at, and it went, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, mediocrity, went, ooh, ooh, I've got this one. (laughs) This is, Mine. oh yeah, this is, <laughs> mediocrity. This is my thing. Mm-hmm. If I'm good at anything, it's mediocrity. mediocrity. So <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I got quite excited about talking about this one, mm. but it's been a torture. I have tortured myself mm. with mm. it over many, many years, many, many times over. I have not been the best. Mm. Uh, the things that mm-hmm. I've done, they've been okay. You know, I, I recorded a, uh, an album of songs and um, somebody who's a very critical person actually said to mm. he, he said, yeah, I'd give it six out of ten. And I thought, hmm. actually, from him, that was pretty good. <laughs> but from me, <laughs> oh, God, I was, yeah, I, that seared into my memory. But mm-hmm. this kind of thing, it was okay. It wasn't the best thing. I'm not Quincy Jones mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. Ella Fitzgerald. or You know what I mean? <laughs> so do you have a definition of mediocrity? I do, as in a technical Ooh. definition. And yeah. it's really
1: not very pleasant. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's it's not great.
0: Am I going to be sorry I brought this one up? No, I don't think I am. Um, I'll bring it on. So
1: so really it's a quality of something that isn't very good. Yeah. Um, You know, or a person who doesn't have this, again, quotation marks, special ability to
0: do something well. Notice that Lisa mentioned a person there as well as a quality, if quality is the word. In an online search, I came across this use of mediocre as a noun to describe a person, not just their work, them as a person, a mediocre. Ouch.
1: So technically, that's what mediocrity is. (laughs) I think that's an incredibly unhelpful (laughs) 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 definition. Well, let's
0: just face it square on, you know, it's not the best thing you've ever seen, done, played, heard read Mm -hmm. yes yes did it entertain you for a minute it's like you could be charlotte bronte or shakespeare Mm -mm. or something or you could have written a mills and boone novel and um there are circumstances where something a bit lighter and not so serious and heavy and superb and incredible is
1: okay it's like we need a bit of that as well presumably in life absolutely absolutely and what's wrong with being i'm going to use a different word average you know, what, yeah. what's wrong with being mediocre? And actually, the other thing as well is, and I know certainly this is something through, I'm happy to admit, personally, I've spent a lot of my life kind of getting to a certain standard of things and going, yeah, that'll do. It's okay, because I can't be bothered, truthfully, to put an right. amount of effort and
0: work right. required to be great at it. Absolutely. So yeah, and, I've been there too. And it's yeah. actually quite relaxing as long as you can. Accept that that's the decision you made, exactly. Rather than think, should I have actually persevered and continued with that? That's the thing. To be happy with the decision you make, to absolutely either keep going or yep. just let it go and do something else. Yeah, absolutely. Two things there. How do you feel about that word "average" as a substitute for mediocre? Does it help? No, me neither. Not really. Nothing wrong with it, as she said, but it doesn't feel great. But Lisa's second point was very important, I thought. For most people at least, being exceptional comes at a cost. It involves sacrifice or at least compromise in other areas, which I guess is why it's quite common to hear about problems in the personal lives of the ultra-successful. It's not a binary thing. There's a sliding scale in how much you want to commit to something. And ultimately, here's one of the main questions raised across this whole series about creative blocks and overcoming them. How much do you want it? How much time and sweat are you willing to put in? And what other things does that mean you won't have time for? And recognizing that you know, every, again, it's that part of being human.
1: Everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Everyone has things, you know. Like for example, I am not a numbers person. Okay, I do not like numbers. In fact, I hate numbers. I have really struggled with, you know, maths in school. Um, and I can do math. I can do maths, but I'm, mm. I'm okay. I mean, I'm never going to be the next, you know, I, I got greatest. A you. I got, did I got, you? Class- yeah. Wow, <laughs> well done, you. <laughs> That's like you still oh got God. a you. Do you know what? You still did it. You showed up, right? <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I was there.
1: Yeah, brilliant. But it's like but so I can't kind of, well, also what cuz actually and I used to beat myself up hugely about that type of stuff. i am go so what? Do I need mass in my everyday life? No, I don't. Does it matter that I'm mediocre? Nope, it really doesn't because that doesn't define who I am and what value I bring to this world. Yeah. And again it comes back to self-worth. It comes back to all of those things. We are not our worth and our value is in is in no way determined yeah.
0: by yeah. We are not our towering or mediocre achievements. We are people, I guess. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing is there's a distinction between doing something because you love it. You might not be brilliant at it at all, but you might just love it so much that you don't even care whether you're good at it or not. And then that takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? Because you're just having such a lovely time with it. With your very wonky pots or whatever, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's, It doesn't matter. It's great.
1: Yeah, there's something so freeing about that. Like yeah, I love yeah. when I'm in dance classes or even when I used to teach dance and things, different life, you know, and you can see the people that are there for the sheer love of it. And no one cares. No one cares that they're not the best at it. And in fact, again, like I was saying with perfectionism, we're all there going, wow, good for you. This is amazing. Like the joy that you get from it's the love of it. And it's inspiring. The fact that there's somebody there brave enough to go, yeah, I'm really not great at this, but I'm doing it anyway because I love doing it. And, you know, when we just are more
0: accepting of those things. My husband's on an online curry club where, and it's a very Mm. well-run nurturing one. And um, there are some very experienced cooks in there cooking the most amazing things. And then there are newbies mm-hmm. coming in and showing what they've done. And it's, it looks very basic. And, you know, there's the first go, but everyone's going, yeah, well, that's great. Well done. And that's so sweet. Isn't it lovely just to be nurturing wherever you are on the ladder or the scale of mm-hmm. accomplishment, just mm-hmm. being uh, accepted. It's all we want. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So people who are too busy just enjoying themselves aren't wasting time worrying about whether they're mediocre or not. I guess it's good to be honest with yourself if you're not the best at something and to make a distinction between your passion and your standard, but ultimately, just get on and enjoy yourself. And here's another important point. Who decides? Who decides what's mediocre and what's not?
1: You know, by whose standards? Oh, Oh, yes.
0: Absolutely. Subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes. Consensus on what's mediocre is easier than at other times. The TV show The X Factor often shows the horribly compelling auditions of unfortunate people who are deluded about their abilities. It's cruel entertainment, but it's still kind of fascinating, and maybe watching them helps us on some level to engage with the idea that we may not be brilliant at something, but at least we're not going to show ourselves up on national television. But Lisa's right. Who gets to say? Here's guitarist Knut Stove.
2: I mean, one one person's mediocrity is, is somebody somebody else's kind of
0: S- yeah. I mean, superlative. It depends, yeah. depends
2: on the kind of on the standard you expect, right? Of of yourself, yeah. I think. But what is what is mediocrity? And then there's also yeah. It depends. It depends on the on totally. I think on the on the context
0: and the, the perception of the person. I suppose. And if you yeah. work
2: within a, with, with an amateur group, say, then there's kind of then that's that's a different kind of parameter from from the start.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: I think rather than mediocrity, I think what is what is annoying if people don't make an, an effort. Uh huh. What kind of the standard is that is that is expected of of you within that, and then yeah. and then strive for that. I think it's it's annoying if people kind of sign up to something and then don't do it. Mm. Whatever the context, I think that is people have to work within their within their limits yeah you can't you can't force somebody to yeah. kind of to be different than more the, than what they are what they, yeah. what they are
0: yeah the reason i wanted to do a an episode on mediocrity was about the self-torture mm. of uh of not being better than you are and that again not helpful as you say but it doesn't stop people doing it It well, hasn't stopped me doing it actually
2: i mean i definitely had that when i was more than when i was younger and i still yeah. still have that i yeah. mean i can i mean t- talking of myself i would say i've uh I'm good enough to know that there's a lot of people who are kind of a different level.
0: Yeah. When you go to see somebody who is so astounding that they're sort of on Mount Olympus somehow, because they're just something else, another level. And sometimes that can make you think, oh, what's the point? (laughs) And on another occasion, it can be just, well, how fantastic, you know, just how fantastic. And then again, relaxing in a way, because you're never going to be them. So you can take it two ways, can't you?
2: It also depends on from what you're... I mean, I read something that uh, Quincy Jones,
0: oh, yeah.
2: I think in an interview, it's saying that the Beatles were kind of not good musicians or something like mm. that. And that's just an an utterly stupid thing mm. to say, because it comes from a kind of a jazz virtuoso point of view. which yeah. So so if you if you measure them against that, they weren't that, but they were 10 times more than that.
1: Yes, yeah, of you course know, they, they were.
2: I mean, you know, maybe, maybe he just wanted to make headlines or so, but if he really meant that, then it's just kind of a lack of under, understanding, mm. for understanding mm. music, really.
0: So again, in many cases, what's mediocre is a matter of subjective opinion. Millions of great musicians would agree that the Beatles were great, but not apparently the great Quincy Jones. Knut also raised this interesting issue of aptitude versus application. I remember seeing wonderfully gifted dancers at the ballet Rambert School resting somewhat on their laurels, while less talented dancers were working their socks off through their training. And guess who ended up getting the jobs? That's right, the grafters. The ones with the good work ethic. They probably never made principle, but they were building successful careers in dance. So there you go. But what if you are one of those lucky, talented people who could be brilliant at something, but you don't feel like putting the hard graft in? Maybe you just don't love what you're doing enough, and the necessary commitment feels like a miserable trap. It's a familiar scenario in households where talented young instrumentalists are constantly nagged to do their piano or violin practice. Ultimately, no amount of nagging will help. Motivation has to come from within. But a cycle of shame can set in for the naggy if they're told that not shining their light is a sin. Shame has also attached itself to the 18th century word dilettante, which started out to mean just a lover of the arts, literally, a delighter. But it's become a negative term for a non-committal dabbler. Ooh, bad thing. Or is it? But on with the therapy. Here's musician and producer Amos Childs now, continuing a theme from a previous episode, collaboration.
3: I think for me, again, it just comes back to being lucky to work with people that I think are better than me. So there's sort of less pressure on me to be amazing yeah. because I'm working with people that I think are amazing. So I'm contributing one part of it, which I might think is mediocre. Um, you
0: might think is mediocre, but somebody else might not. Yeah.
3: I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not really up to you, is it? Like what people think of your work. It's not really up to you to <laughs> no, decide true. if it's mediocre or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it is. I guess it kind of is as well. I
0: mean, you're going to have your opinion about your own
3: whatever. Yeah.
0: And I'm not talking about your opinion on other people's work Mm. (laughs) as mediocre. It's about this self-criticism thing, Mm. isn't it? This self-flagellation of it. (laughs) The point you're making about collaborations taking that pressure off to some extent is a brilliant one. Mm. Because if it's all your own work, if you're a solitary worker, then it is harder to deal with, isn't it? There's nowhere, nowhere else to turn.
3: I've never... Released a, a single record that was just all stuff that I've done, mm-hmm. and yeah, like there's probably a reason for that to be honest. Yeah, maybe one or two tracks years ago, but they don't really stand out in my mind as ones that I'm into. Um,
0: but I, you're not, but you haven't tortured yourself about that,
3: no, yeah. not, not really. I think I, pro- I probably did a bit a few years ago. I think it's, it's just getting older as well, you're kind of more maybe slightly more at peace with yourself mm. than you used to be and but yeah it's tough the mediocre thing is really tough because going into trying to make an album or record or whatever you for me anyway you, you're just thinking about like all the records you love and you think why am I even the the point of doing it is to make something people are going to really like mm. obviously but mm. You, it's kind of like sometimes right at the start you're like why am i even bothering trying to make something mm. when all of this other amazing stuff already exists
0: yeah i've got a story about that and it's the klf again mm. they were in the, in the height of their popularity and now having these massive hit singles that they'd you know and they had the most amazing engineers and musicians on them and and they were big hit records and i remember we were in film filming with them and um Delight, D-Light, mm. Grooves in the Heart, and that, that album had just come out. And so it was playing on some radio, someone's radio between takes or whatever. And Jimmy Corti, who's a Califf, he just said, I'll listen to that and I just think, what's the point? Mm. <laughs> because it was so good. That record was so good. It just makes you think, yeah. why bother? The, the most successful people have, that, have those feelings too. Yeah. yeah, It's the fear that you're not going to measure up and anyone can be susceptible to that. But when Amos said that the point is to make something that people will really like, he brought us back to that opening question, what is art for? And the follow-up question is, what's your prime motivator for making art? There are no single right answers to either question, of course. Shall we have some fun? Let's hear from copywriter Ollie Lee, who's always fun, talking about that faithful, mediocre device in writing, the cliché.
4: So there are certain, um, certain rules I've created for myself as a copywriter okay. over the years. Right. If I catch myself writing something which says, from blah to blah, you can do everything from blah to blah. I know I'm desperate.
0: <laughs> okay.
4: And there's little to say about whatever it is.
0: Yeah.
4: Or if I catch myself... Now, look, I should warn your listeners that this will ruin many, many TV ads forever.
0: I mean, do, do they need ruining?
4: Maybe they don't. Anyway, mm. if I catch myself doing the what I call the that's why transaction. Yes. So the that's mm. why transaction, you see, you can almost get away with murder mm. because you can link things which do not go together. For example, metal comes from the ground. That's why. Our oh, new shampoo is made with orange blossom.
0: <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. So this is your getting away with murder <laughs> device. You can connect to anything. <laughs> OK. And
4: once you know... that, no, I mean, okay. I gave you a ridiculous... A, no, I, I gave really you a ridiculous it. example because yes. it's generally not as bad as that.
0: But when you hear a that's why... I think that's just going to enhance everyone's advertising pleasure.
4: And also, if you pay attention to voiceovers, you can hear them coming. <laughs> Sometimes oh, the that's yeah. why it's a because,
0: uh, yeah. but most
4: often. And yeah. you, can, you can hear the copywriter going, I've got this thing and I've got to connect you with that thing. <laughs> they don't go together. Fantastic. <laughs> Not everybody loves peaches. That's why our new model comes in orange. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, <laughs> Thank but you, so you well. can
4: just listen for that, and you'll, yeah. you'll sort of hear it coming. In fact, I frequently sit on the sofa and I'm listening, watching an ad it's and go. Coming. That's why, <laughs> or because. Yes, I, I really try not to use that, unless yes. my tongue is firmly in my cheek.
0: Oh sure. Oh, there must be a gorgeous repertoire of cliché. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes a cliché is just the thing, and it was a dream. Yeah. It, it, it's true,
4: but uh, well, that's why. <laughs> Yes. Cliches are useful. That's why sometimes <laughs> yes. you use them. Yeah. But I try to avoid that. Yeah. But generally, it's, it's probably not the copywriter's fault. It's probably the fault of somebody in no, terms of the briefing or something. There'll be, various something. There'll be, down there'll be the all chain sorts of things. Will have yes. led
0: To this thing that you've been given to deal yeah. with, and also because it does
4: it does shift you from one thing to another thing very very quickly. It shifts you in two words,
0: mm. Mm. and
4: when you've got a limited amount of time. Well,
0: quite. Yeah, quite. You've got
4: thirty seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever it is, and there may yeah. be some terms of conditions because yeah. you haven't avoided them entirely. Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: It's going to shift you on yeah. very quickly. What a job! But listen out for that's why.
0: Mm, can't wait now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch afternoon telly? You see, there's a place for the cliche, the obvious, the less than ingenious. Oh, sometimes, in fact, the obvious ends up being the ingenious. Here's another example.
4: So this was a. Uh, A brand of wine available in off-licenses in other convenience stores. So Mm -hmm. we're not talking top flight of wine. Right. They were moving away from a campaign which had been created for them by the agency I worked for, which, frankly, I'd had nothing to do with it. But I thought, no, that's entirely wrong. That's much too aspirational for that brand of wine. No wonder it's not working it was not ticking the right sort of boxes, yes. I didn't think, in terms of the demographic. Anyway, so they had to come up with some other sort of approach. And this particular brand had wines from France, it had wines from Australia, it had wines from Germany, it had wines from all over anyway, the place. Anyway, they created a you know, approached this task in a in a good and professional way. They'd shut them themselves away in a meeting room and they'd come up with lots of ideas. Yeah which they'd put on post-its and they'd sort of stuck up on the walls and they'd grouped them together in themes Mm -hmm. and they were looking at them. Anyway, I walked past. They were looking a bit glum. Oh. So I opened the door Mm -hmm. and said, well, how's it going? And they said, well, look, we've got all of these ideas, but we can't think of the line. OK. We can't think of how we're going to express this. So I looked at all the post-its and the categories they'd put them in and I said, "Um, well... Is it not something wanky like taste the world? And indeed, that's what it was. It was, was taste, it was the, taste the, world.
0: the world. Taste the world. And
4: in fact, that appeared on their bottles of wine for a number of years. Uh-huh. So sometimes people say, well, there's not you were ever proud of? And I say, well, I'm not sure I was proud of it, but had I had 5p for every time it appeared, I might have been quite wealthy.
0: <laughs> a place for cliché, a place for the commonplace, the obvious, the simple, the average. And it's the average that makes the exceptional exceptional, after all. If everything was superlative, it would be like having Christmas every day. And apart from those strange, rare people you read about, most of us would not want that. Now, let's be clear. There are fields of endeavour where mediocrity isn't such a good idea. It's better to have more exceptional politicians than mediocre ones in government, for example. But that's a topic for someone else's podcast. And we're not talking about competitive sports either, where mediocrity isn't going to help you win. I came across a phrase, why good enough isn't good enough. But perhaps a better phrase would be when good enough isn't good enough. Because if good enough isn't good enough in relationships and in parenting, well, we're all stuffed. But we're talking about art And art includes all the grey areas, as well as the black-white, succeed-fail, win-lose. We're also talking about freedom, freedom to be average, the freedom from fear of judgment that can get in the way of creative joy and innovation. The author G.K. Chesterton, who wrote the Father Brown series, is the blessed man who said, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. He defended the generalist, the hobbyist, the amateur. And we'll talk about amateurism and professionalism in another episode. He wasn't excusing poor effort. Chesterton was championing doing something for the love of it, whether you're brilliant at it or not. And thinking about freedom, Earlier this year, I was re-watching the movie Florence Foster Jenkins, and I jumped on this brilliant speech from the character Sinclair Bayfield, played by Hugh Grant. Here it is. I was a good actor, but I was never going to be a great actor. It was very, very hard to admit that to myself. But once I had, I felt free from the tyranny of ambition. I started to live. Unquote. Art doesn't have to be any good. It's innate in us to create. Making art and engaging with other people's art at any level is good. So let's hear it for mediocrity, which isn't always a terrible crime, sin and shameful thing. Let's take the should out of art making and take some of the pressure off ourselves. Let's not allow fear of mediocrity to rob us and the world of much needed art and beauty. In the next episode, we'll look at something many artists struggle with, self-promotion. Until then, keep doing what you love because you love it. You really do need no other reason.